Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points, and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Well, welcome to the Love Rugby League podcast, a weekly look at all things rugby league, featuring uh, the big interview as well, a little later on, a huge name on the way. James Gordon's here, editor of the esteemed Love Rugby League. In fact, let's, uh, before we get into uh, various matters from the week and the uh, the Challenge Cup triple header at Elland Road, which I hugely enjoyed, actually, uh, James Graham's uh, the big interview uh, this week. I spent half an hour in his company a few days ago. Absolutely fascinating guy. Um, Brilliant player, brilliant story as well. He's loving life as you would expect down in yeah. Australia. Um, he's got some great tales, and it, it, it's one of those great rugby league stories where you kind of you learn through your setbacks. And this is a guy who lost six grand finals in a row, and then he thought that would be it, <laughs> and he got. And as he details in in the big interview a bit later on, what an incredible end to to his story. Yeah, obviously, I you know he says. Without wanting to spoil it, obviously he says Jack Wellsby owes Jack Wellsby a lot yeah. uh, for for that moment because it could have ended very differently for him, couldn't it? I suppose if if Saints had lost that match, um, you know it's another you know it's another blow, isn't it, for him in, in terms of losing finals? But instead, it's the almost like the perfect ending for his career. And of course, he's the thing is with James Graham is he's got an opinion that you've got to respect because he's mm. you know he's done it at the top of the game. You know he gained a lot of respect in Australia, which of course is. It's hard to do, and you know more and more players are starting to to do that now. But of course, James Graham went over there when there was maybe only really Gareth Ellis and maybe Adrian Morley that had done it. And you forget prior. how long he was over there, yeah, as well. Uh, you know, and 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 he, and he wasn't just a run of the mill. He was like, you know, he was getting you know big raps over there, and um, and the other thing as well, you know, the Scouse accent. We don't hear many true. You know, there's plenty <laughs> of plastic Scousers maybe kicking around in, in rugby league, but you know, he comes from an area. He comes from an area, or his heritage, if you like, or where he's from, is an area that rugby league really needs to try and tap into a bit more. So to have him as like an ambassador for the game, and you know, you almost want to see if, if we can, if if you could find another ten James Graham's from Liverpool, then it would completely change maybe the approach to the market in those areas. No, you're right. It's one of them when you, he opens his mouth and you just, oh right, that's that's what he sounds like. <laughs> Actually, on that, he talks about what you know. One of his, you know, we we discuss. Um, some of the Brits playing in the NRL, and he, you know, he raves about Herbie Farnworth and the fact that he's from basically Burnley or near mm. near, near Burnley, uh, which is another interesting angle for you know a guy outside kind of the, the traditional rugby league areas. And he, he tells a very funny story. I don't know if you uh, if you saw the, the time a few years ago when he he was asked by an interviewer from Channel Nine about a potential move and is it about the money for you. And then he starts singing um, some lines from David Brent from The Office, right. uh, quoting Desiree. <laughs> and, and that went viral on Twitter. So he, he, we have a bit of a laugh about that. About that. He tells me the story behind that. Uh, but some fascinating stuff, some really interesting uh, opinions as well on, on where this current St. Helens side 
would rank if they played in the NRL. Um, it's actually been one of the features of the kind of accidental features of this podcast series so far this season. <laughs> Where would this St Helens team rank? And it's it's always an interesting debate because you can't prove anything. It's always like in football, you know, who is better, Messi, Maradona, Pele? Well, mm. you're never going to see them on the same pitch together. So, so absolutely no idea. But I think John Wilkin brought it up when he said this St Helens team is better than that iconic Band of Brothers Leeds team, um, just because of the way they are every single every single match. And his, his argument was that well, the Leeds team actually weren't that great throughout the season. They just knew how to win at Old Trafford. Yeah, at the very end. Um, yeah, it's, I suppose it's difficult in some ways. And we were actually having a chat about it in the office, funnily enough, earlier, and we were saying that. You know, probably if you put St. Helens in a one-off match against Parramatta or mm. or whoever in, in the NRL, that you would fancy them. But it's just whether could they get to those levels that they require week on week in the NRL. Now, clearly, if they've got the same salary cap region as, yeah, as they yeah. have in the NRL, and that and that's the awkward thing, isn't it? When you're comparing the teams, it's like it's the 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 variation in the salary cap levels. Could they do it week in week out against them? You know, with all due respect to some of the Super League teams, you feel like. Although it is maybe changing a little bit, isn't it? There's a lot more whipping boys in the NRL than maybe there used to be. Um, it'd be nice to see St. Helens at least get the chance to go up against some NRL teams because, of course, we haven't had the World mm. Cup challenge in, in recent years for them to be able to do that, which them the Leeds teams that you mentioned and, and it, you know even going back to probably the first few winners, obviously, when they beat St. Helens in the grand final them years, you know, when they played Melbourne and Manly and Cancer. Well, Graham, and actually, Graham actually says his favourite Saints team was probably that 06 team. Mm. But there was a lot of romance tied in with that for him because he just remembers it as a young kid breaking through and playing playing with his heroes mm. and playing at Nosley Road, which was where, for him, the magic happened, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I mean ultimately, there's, there's what, two professional, fully professional leagues in the world. Do they play enough games against each other? No. And, you know, there's clearly a lot to be said about how on earth do you fit it all in. Mm. But it'd be interesting to see just how it would... And I'm not saying that Saints would necessarily beat Penrith or or South or the top teams, maybe, but unless you put it on, you're never going to know, are you? So loads of debating points from from the James Graham interview, which is, which is on the way. Not not least how Saints would do in the NRL, which actually has sparked a, quite a lot of interaction and debate with with the story that we've put live yeah. on the Rugby League already with with what Graham thinks. So uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that big interview, uh, which we'll have on the Love Rugby League podcast in, in just a few moments' time. As far as the last few days have gone, we've we've seen various things. Sol KR have got a new head coach or an imminent new head coach. We'll, we'll maybe touch on that in a in a second where that leaves this season and and Tony Smith. We've got this this big announcement with the RFL and Super League and a new deal with IMG. One of those we don't actually know what that means yet. We hope it's good news, but no one really knows. <laughs> but on the face of it, what about what about the triple header and and how excited or otherwise were you by what you saw? On Saturday, for me personally, as a rugby league fan, and I actually watched it on my, I had a sofa day, and I thought, right, I'm going to watch three rugby league games back to back, and then you know what, I'm going to watch two football games back to back as well. So that was my day, and I was really looking forward to it, and I was just, I was left a little bit deflated just because of how it looked. As a rugby league fan, you know what an opportunity, what an opportunity. Obviously, I'm a Leeds boy, Ellen Road, iconic, brilliant. It just didn't look good for me. I, I mean, I think this is one of the the increasing problems with this multi-game approach, and I, I have the same opinion of, of Magic Weekend as well. Where have you ever have you ever managed every single match of Magic Weekend? Because I haven't. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think maybe I did. I think even I, I remember. I mean, on Saturday I commentated the first two games, but I didn't stay for the mm. whole of the third. I watched, you know, most of that on on TV later on. Um, like I say, it's slightly different when we're working because our environment's a little bit better. But ultimately, yeah. you're looking at you're basically telling people you've got to sit on a plastic seat for <laughs> what four, five, six hours if you want to watch all these games. And and as you say, the big problem is how it looks on a TV screen. Where you know the majority of fans, let's be honest, are just coming for their team's game. You know, you could see you could see as soon as St. Helens Wigan finished that. The St. Helens end evaporated, the Wigan end evaporated, and you, you know. Well, if you, if you've just got knocked, knocked out of the Challenge Cup semi final by your hated enemies, right? You're not sticking around to watch a game you don't care about. Yeah, and, 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 You're the, going home. and the same applies even if you win. You might stay for yeah, a little bit to have the celebration. But yeah, exactly. And I think the problem you've got is you'll never, you will never have a full ground for them matches. Mm-hmm. It just will never happen. And that's the problem you've got is that then when you're putting it on TV, you know, it's like you look at Magic Weekend and they try and big big magic weekend up but whenever you see any pictures of it or footage of it the stadium's half empty because that's the nature of it whereas 
you know, and there's there's different arguments now coming in. I I, I sort of offhand heard an, an, a, a comment where, well, if we didn't have it as a double header, would BBC show both the semi finals? Mm. Because obviously, then it means they've got to double up on. I mean, it worked for the, it worked for the women's game. A huge huge crowd for that. Yeah. In, in relative terms, and for me, that was the best game of the three. Personally. Yeah, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the women's game. I think you know, I, it was interesting because. You weren't too sure how it was going to go because Sailings were, were probably quite the favourites, but there was this sort of cloud over. I always fancied they'd do it, like even when Leeds were winning. Yeah, but I think the thing was there was this bit of build-up where they were saying, "Well, Sailings have, have basically played five and basically just walked over the five teams they've mm. played." But lead, there was this big thing over Leeds have had this one game against York in the semi-finals, which had made them battle-hardened, and you could sort of see that playing out in the first half, where you could see that Leeds were clearly buoyed a little bit by the fact that they were coming into this a li- maybe a little bit more prepared than than Saitland. It's not through Saitland's fault. And I think, yeah, I think... I thought Leeds pl- probably ought to have been more in front than yeah, they were yeah, yeah. by the time they got... I'd you know, agree. I think it was, what, 8-4 at half-time. They probably could have been a bit more. And then, of course, they missed that penalty at 8 well, which the key, really the swung moment. the game. Yeah. It'd yeah. Be, I, I think I said even on commentary, it'd be an interest to see how the game would have panned out mm. if they'd have kicked that penalty and gone to 10-8 and... Maybe Saints were a little bit, you know, a little bit more, you know, would have been a little bit more desperate than than they yeah, had yeah. to be. Whereas they rolled up the other end and scored, and um, and that was it. And you know, I think there's a lot of conversation. The women's game's clearly being lifted to, a, you know, to a point where it's never been before, which is great. But I still think that this obsession with the double and triple header, I think ultimately you're never now going to see a full stadium for a big game. Yeah, and obviously. You know, looking ahead to to going to a brilliant new stadium in Tottenham with an even bigger capacity than Elland Road. I mean, you do worry if if you're barely getting twenty two thousand, just over twenty two thousand across six different teams for for a mm. semi final. What it's going to look like, and on that, I just wonder whether we can be, and by we, I mean rugby league, and you know, obviously my my experience working in the broadcast industry. Can, can we be a bit cuter with with how it looks? If we're only going to get those in, those amount of people, if we know that, okay, we're going to get twenty odd thousand in, we can still make it look good. You know, for example, like another one of my sports snooker, right? The Crucible Theatre, it's only ever three sides full. Yeah. You never you never see the bit where it's just where there's nothing. Yeah. All you see is a is a round. Whereas that main the main stand at Ellen Road was basically was, you could see the you know, Adidas it, it looked on, awful. on the lettering, couldn't you? So surely surely we can get together and it's like, right, we we fill that bit we're gonna see. Mm. And then let's work around that. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure those discussions must must take place. You'd like to think that they do. I mean, you'd you'd probably still get that same issue where if if that section's got St Helens fans in and they all go, then it's going to be empty for mm. for Hull KO against Huddersfield. I still think you're going to get that going to get that problem. But I do think that that is unfortunately one of the consequences of this current, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, obsession or whatever we've having these mm. double triple magic weekend. You know. Would it be better for rugby league? And it'd be interesting to see whether we'll talk about IMG in a bit, but it'd be mm. interesting to see what their recommendations are. That is it better to have St. Helens against Wigan at Warrington in front of an mm. absolute packed house and then have Huddersfield against Hull KR at maybe not Leeds, but maybe, you know, I don't mm. know, somewhere in, in Yorkshire where, yeah, it's played to a smaller overall crowd at a smaller stadium, but ultimately on TV it looks a lot yeah, yeah. more presentable. Uh, yeah, and, and probably just the one other point on that was by match three, everyone was falling over, and I know Brian <laughs> Noble during the BBC coverage kept kept saying that it was you know I wonder if they got the wrong studs on. It was because it was the third match on the same mm. pitch, and the, the pitch, the pitch was didn't. Up. Yeah, I mean, and it, it did well to hold up. I think. Yeah, it did. Yeah, gradually, but yeah. But you could tell they were slipping all over the place. You're at the gods with the weather as well. I mean, the weather was all right. It was mm. fairly decent on Saturday. It was fairly mild, and you know, whereas imagine if there was a deluge of rain in the in the first game. I remember a summer bash. I think where they were fortunate there was a deluge of rain in the final match. Mm. If that had happened in the first match of four on a day, then by the time you get to the end, it's like, you know, and I think. That's the thing. It's it's nice in theory having this triple header, but how many fans realistically buy their ticket thinking oh, I'm going to see three games? They're not. They're not. Are, I mean, I don't know, and it'd be interesting to hear people's thoughts. But ultimately, are St. Helens fans buying a ticket because they want to watch St. Helens against Wigan? They're not really that fussed about watching Huddersfield look Now I'm sure there are neutral fans that will buy them to watch a couple of matches, but that number is very small in comparison. Um, so, so you mentioned IMG and. I mean, I don't know how deep we can go into this because that news kind of broke as I was on the way into the studio to do yeah. this podcast. But it's, on the face of it, it looks 
good. I'm G, you know, big global enterprise committing for a long time, 12 years, to try and, you know, revitalise, revolutionise rugby league, you know, something we've both heard before. So it's kind of my initial reaction was a little bit of a shrug and I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. Um, I, I don't know if you know any more than I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't think many people, you know, obviously there's been this little bit of tinkering going on in terms of the governance of, of the RFL and Super League and, of course, having an independent board. and, well, and we, I, could do, we could do a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. And IMG are obviously going to be part of that. And um, I think, like you say, you're always going to approach it with a little bit of cynicism until you see it played mm. out because we've sort of heard it all before. Until stuff starts happening, you're always going to be a little unsure um, about it. But I guess... The positive to look at is maybe is this a sign that rugby league is starting to be a bit more is relinquishing yeah. some of its self control where you know we know that the the game has been controlled by a select group of clubs the the ones who were just happened to be in super league largely at whatever time a decision is being made and it's like well are we now going to move away from instead of being governed in the self interest of a select number of clubs that we've now got some experts or perceived experts from from global sport if you like who are now going to say well actually we think maybe you should you should do that you know thinking about Lee for example and like Lee and Toulouse is a good example this year Toulouse are at the table yeah. throwing their oar in for a decision this time last year it was Lee who was in there and it's like how on earth can you this ever this time next year who knows well exactly yeah and how on earth can you ever come up with a plan when clearly Toulouse are going to say well yeah, we want more French teams or we need to protect this. And clearly Lee are going to say, well, you know, we'd rather it this way. Um, and I think that's the big thing is whoever decides is the, the whole the whole thing is about it being independent, isn't it? And making the decisions that's right for the game. And ultimately that what's right for the game is ultimately what's going to bring more, more revenue in through broadcast, commercial. Bottom line is always for me, no matter what any ideas, what ideas anyone comes up with, there are two things you need fans and players yeah and that's it and what whatever you need to do has got to be geared towards that uh james graham on the way in just a sec we, we mentioned that you know the big news story if you like uh, concerning a new boss for for whole kr i don't know how much you know about willie peters or, or what you think about where that leaves the rest of this season now with well only only super league to go out for rovers yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Willie Peters' coaching pedigree. We obviously remember him as a player over here for Gateshead and Wigan and Widness. And, um, it's an interesting one and, and it sort of fits. Some clubs have gone down this model. There's, there's a bit of a mix, isn't there, in, if you look at coaching appointments, that clubs either try and promote from within, like maybe former players, or, or, it's like, or they try to go to Australia and find a little gem that might, you know, and you're looking at Justin Holbrook and Michael Maguire and people like that who've come over and then. You know, gone to bigger and better things in in Australia. So it'd be, they've clearly done a little bit of homework. But as you say, I think the main question about the whole KR thing is the situation around Tony Smith because it felt like they were building a little bit of momentum on and off the field, and then Tony Smith sort of drops this bombshell. Yeah, and the player, the players didn't know. I mean, I yeah. spoke to a couple of them. I spoke to Ryan Hall and, and another of the players after that, and he said, "I didn't know. I, I just." Found I think out he literally meeting. told them. Yeah, he yeah. literally told them, and then did the press conference. Mm. And clearly, there was a fallout because the way it was handled obviously wasn't ideal. Because you know, he literally dropped it in a in a press conference when the club weren't prepared. And I, I think I read something where um, was it when he was leaving Huddersfield? I think where mm. he'd agreed not to say something, and and he ended up leaving high and dry. So clearly, he had something. He had a bit of an ulterior motive, but it seems strange to me that, given the progress Hull KR had been making, that they wouldn't want to maybe do more to keep him. Yeah. Perhaps whether he felt that they weren't doing, or maybe they didn't want to keep him. You know, there was there was some rumours that maybe he'd caught wind that they were looking around elsewhere, and that was what had what had maybe frustrated him. It seems, but as I say, it still comes down to the fact where you look at the progress they made. They obviously made the playoffs. They did, you know, they they got through to the semis in the playoffs in Super League. You know they got to the Challenge Cup semi-final, very disappointing performance. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong about that. But how much is that is impacted by this situation? Um, and I suppose it does seem a shame that having built, you know, they had, I was there for the Warrington game where they had a sellout crowd. They had a sellout against. They had back-to-back sellout crowds. Oh, they do you know, well. They do the yeah, match day well. You know, and it's like I'm not saying that that's going to change, but it just feels it just feels a bit of a shame that you're building up this momentum and then you've almost like popped the balloon mm. a little bit. Um, we've seen it before with coaches who announced they're leaving. You know, we saw it with Nathan Brown, didn't we, at Huddersfield a few a few years ago? Is 
is that going to impact on Hull KR's season? Are they going to be pushing for the six as maybe they would have hoped? Um, you know, they're not going to get dragged into any any. Although some, sometimes it affects a, a club season when you when you don't know. I mean, look at like going to football. Look at what happened with Leeds United and Bielsa because mm. he won't make his mind mind up about what he was going to do, and yeah, the, the players stopped playing for him for whatever reason. It it'd be interesting to see. I mean, we you know we've seen it last season. You know, Daryl Powell and Steve Price were yeah. you know both said they were yeah, going yeah. pretty early doors, but they still saw it out for the. For this season, Hull okay, have still got enough in them to to do potentially what they did they did last season. But it does seem a strange one, I guess. Uh, if you're going to look at a positive for it, at least they've done the business and they've got it sorted, and they can prepare for next season, knowing who the coach is is going to be. As for Tony Smith, well, there's a few jobs kicking around at the moment that I'm yeah. sure you know probably would have liked to have spoke to him. Um, and that's the other thing as well. If what what if a job came up now? You know, I'm not saying that he would drop down to Championship, but say Bradford, for example. Um, you know, would would a Bradford wait until the end of the season to put Tony Smith in? Do you know what I mean? You know, they may. Well, I, I, I would wager if any move like that happened, that would very much be on Tony's terms, rather. Yeah, than of course. Else. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that there's any chance of that happening. Yeah. But just in, you know, let's say if a Super League job came up tomorrow, and it was like, well. We quite fancy Tony Smith, but he's at OKR for the rest of the season. But he's got to think about well, what's he doing for the rest of the season. Yeah. And who knows what's going to happen. But I think it is a slight shame, I think, generally for OKR that they were just on this little bit of a crest of a wave. No, a I agree. Yeah, there was a good thing going. A there was bit. a good thing happening there. You know, with and the... it's not to say that it can't still be like that yeah. under a new coach, but it just feels like it probably was a bit of strange, strange time and unfortunate timing, if you like. Uh, speaking of good things happening, let's get on to this week's uh, big interview on the Love Rugby League podcast, uh, where I spent half an hour or so in the company of uh, one of league's big names each week to talk life and league. And this week's guest is one of uh, the biggest names in the game, retired, happily retired now in Australia after uh, an eventful and ultimately very, very satisfying career with six losing grand finals in a row. And then he won the big one with his beloved St Helens in his final game. This week's big interview is James Graham. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. Welcome to the big interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. And this week is one of the sport's Biggest names, uh, England, uh, St. Helens, Canterbury, St. George, Great Britain, a legend. James Graham, as I live and breathe, how are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thanks, George. Uh, enjoying life on, on the other side of the world. You've got me up, got me up past my bedtime, so uh, I apologise for, for any yawning gaps in my questions. It's not, I'm not bored, I'm just knackered. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. It's really good to see you, and I'm, I'm very appreciative uh, of your time. Um, where are you and what are you up to? these days just for for our UK listeners slash viewers who might not see you as much as as those watching telly in Australia yeah so um after after the the 2020 season uh moved back to Australia um got a um bit of a hybrid role with um St George and the Dragons so I do some some coaching some pathways and some stuff with their partnerships team as well um so yeah, it's very varied. I I, um, I enjoy the coaching side. I'm just not sure whether or not it, it's for me. Um, I see how a lot of these coaches operate, and um, although I, I was a little bit mad back in the day, um, that sort of dwindled a bit. And looking at the coaches, I, I just don't know if I can live the life that they live and maintain any form of sanity. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, I do do some media work as well, like punditry uh, for the radio and for the for the TV as well. So, um, yeah, and a few other bits and bobs in in the pipeline. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm I'm keeping busy, busy with two two, uh, two young kids as well, which is which is always fun. Um, so yeah, in, enjoying um, retirement. It's, it's very different to to what life was, but uh, an enjoyable one. Nonetheless, so are they? Are they and you all happy there? Is, is is that home now? Is that where you're gonna where you're gonna be? Or? Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. Um, you de- certainly for the foreseeable future, it's it's gonna be here. Um, but 
you just never know where life's going to take you sometimes, do you? So um, I'm not not one to ever really completely close the door on anything. So, um, yeah, but for, for the time being, um, yeah, happy, content, um, pleased with where what options I've got over here. Um, but yeah, you, you just never know where life's going to take you sometimes and what what circumstances are going to arise. So um, yeah, like I say, never say never, but yeah, content and happy here. Uh, let's let's talk about Super League for for a few minutes. How much of it do you still manage to see being being where you are? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll always check the results um, every single week to see how so everyone's getting on. Um, obviously, a huge huge eye on St Helens and and how they're tracking. Um, you know, delighted to see them win the league last year. Um, and and obviously they they've started the season really strongly too, so um, yeah, d- delighted with them. But always keep a keep a close eye on on results, and it's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a great, it's a great league. I, I I don't get to watch as as much as it as I'd like, but I've got lots of friends I play over there, so I keep an eye on you know Gareth Widdiff and and people like that, you know. So um, yeah, I um, I don't watch as much as probably I'd like. But um, still, keep a, a close eye on it, nonetheless. Tell me how good this St Helens team is. I mean, you, you, you were this team is evolving as all teams do, but you were effectively part of this team with with your brilliant farewell in that grand final in, in twenty. What do you think has, has made it, you know, so great? Uh, what the ingredients? What's what's the culture like that has formed what is now a bit of a dynasty again for Saint? Yeah, it's um, it's funny you say that because it's probably it's very different from. Um, some of those top St Helens teams that you know anyone over the age of thirty would would remember the sort of early two thousands with the the Longs, the the Scullthorpes and the Cunninghams, and then obviously you know we had that fantastic year in two thousand six. But you know the 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 team that's gone and won three on three on the spin, and obviously the Challenge Cup last year. It's, it's a very di- different atmosphere. Um, but a quality one nonetheless. Um, it's just, it, it's really difficult to put into words to to, des- to describe the, the day-to-day ongoings there, but it's a commitment to excellence. It's all, it's all the little things. Like, I really enjoyed Christian Wolf's coaching style. Um, you know, he, he's very plain and to the point. He explains exactly, defines your roles, exactly what you need to do. And then it's just up to you to, to go out there and get it done and obviously you've got a hot, really hard working group with some exceptional talent you know you got Percival obviously Roby Lomax all these super talented players young Dodd that's come in like w- what a player he is and um, you know you throw Wormsley in like the list goes on so when you if you're ever in an, in an environment where you've got talent and you can marry it in with hard working individuals and hard-working teams. Morgan Knowles is another one. He definitely wouldn't let me get away without saying it. Um, but when, when you marry those in together, the results are pretty, the results can be can be pretty spectacular. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's an accumulation of everything really that that goes into making this um one one of one of if not the best team that Super League's ever seen. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I should actually make a point of saying we're recording this just before their Challenge Cup semi-final, uh, which is obviously great timing on my behalf. So we can't really talk about that because this is probably going to go out next week. But in terms of where they rank, John Wilkin is always banging on at me, knowing that I'm a Leeds boy, that this Saints team is, is better and greater than that iconic band of brothers, as they called it, at Headingley, who, who dominated all those years and beat you guys in the final every year. I, I think that's personally an incredibly difficult comparison to make because you're comparing two teams who are never going to play against each other. But I, I don't know what your view is as a, you know, a, a red V kiss, kiss the badge Saints boy. Yeah. Uh, well, th- thanks for bringing up all those uh, grand finals defeats. I had man. to. I had to. Yeah, I to. Yeah, <laughs> definitely did. Um, I think, I think like you say, mate, it's, um, it, it's, it's hard to, I, it's hard to look back and uh, and judge, you know, like even even myself and a lot of people, they're, they're, they're nostalgic. And and I think, like, I, I love the St. Helens 2016 mm. so much, but it's because I was young. 
And it was because I was playing with some of my heroes. And it's because I was playing at Nosy Road, the place that, you know, I, I fell in love with the gamer. So for me, there's, there's more to it than like, you know, who's better in each position and, and all that sort of stuff. I, I loved 2016 for, for things, not not necessarily a performance-based thing. It's, you know, the, the time of my life was, you know, how good's being young and, and how good's playing in a successful team when you're young. So for, for, for me, that, that's got the biggest place in my heart. But, and, you know, it'd probably be the same when Super League, like it, when you, if you've got a genuine neutral hat on, at the moment, you'd look back and you go, oh, that Leeds team is better because it's nostalgia. Um, you know, you, you think the past is a lot better than, yeah. than what, what it was sometimes. And that's not a knock on Leeds, but that's what it is. And, you know, in, in another 10 years' time, there'll be another team that's dominating the Super League and they go, do you reckon they were better than that Saints team in, the, in you know, 2020? And people will be like, nah, nah, that was better. It's just, it's just the way of the world. And, um, yeah, I, I, I always find it hard to, to compare um, apples and oranges. And um, I guess it, that's one for the, for the pub banter, isn't it? And you know, no one will ever come up with the answer. Yeah, it's like that. Who was better, Pele, Maradona? Who was better, Maradona, yeah. Messi? We've no idea because they've never yeah. been on the pitch together. So, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's, exactly. it's, it's a good question. And what, one more difficult question on Saints. Saints there. Now, how do you think they'd go if they were in the NRL? Because a lot of people say defensively they're they're an NRL type team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I think they'd go really well. Um, I think you know the, the competition over here isn't that dissimilar to the competition in England, and I've got no doubt that a top team like St Helens that have consistently performed. They're not just a one-off, but they've consistently performed for, you know, going back to the to the Holbrook years. Like they they they'd be you know a, a a genuine top four contender every single season, I believe. Mm. Uh, a word on the NRL because I know that's that's the kind of um, your bread and butter working in the in the in the media there. How much do you enjoy watching? The British talent that there is currently in the NRL, and and who do you enjoy watching most? Yeah, I, I obviously I've got a close eye on anyone that's English. Um, and what one lad that that springs to mind this year, and he's he's played really really well, is a young Herbie Farmworth. Yeah, how good there. how good is he? Like he's had a he's had a great year. I love his story. Like we, we, I interviewed him on the radio, or I was sort of like listening to his interview. He was, he was on after the game last week, and just hearing his accent. And he's a, I think he's a Burnley lad. So I love the story that he's not from a traditional heartland as well. And uh, he come over to Australia as a, as a youngster and took a, took a chance. You know, worked incredibly hard at his game to to make it at, at the Brisbane Broncos. And you know, he's. When he's firing on all cylinders, he's such a talent to watch, and um, no doubt he'll be—he's banging down the door of, of Sean Wayne's England team um, for the World Cup this uh, this winter in England. Yeah, do you does Sean use you as a scout? Do you, do you feedback about you should be watching Irby, you should be watching this guy? This guy was brilliant. Have a look at him. Uh, no, mate, no, um, no. I've I've not spoke to Sean Wayne for for, for a long time, but um, you know. Uh, he, 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 I know that he watches an, um, a lot, an incredible amount of rugby league, and he'd watch the game differently than what I than what I do and what I would. And um, I am a, and I've enjoyed it now because I can, apart from when I'm watching St George games, I can watch it like a fan and just look at and just look at everyone's attack and not really bother too much about defence, which is such an important part of the game, especially. From a coaching perspective, I just watch it and see who's who's running the ball and who's putting on plays, and and I can just relax and enjoy, um, you know, a quality sport and spectacle. And I can, yeah, I don't need to worry about the defensive attribute. Like you know, going to Herbie Farmworth, he might be shocking defensively, but I don't care because he excites <laughs> me with the ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're the best players. They're the kind of players you you want in the game. Absolutely. Yeah, well, as a fan, that, that, you know that that's that's what you that's what you want. And don't get me wrong, there's there's a bit of me that's you know a, a, a you know a bit of a diehard that likes the defensive gritty stuff. But yeah, I like that's, people that. 
whenever I talk to Sam Tompkins about, you know, who should we be looking out for on the best young stars, he always raves about Will Price for that same reason. It's like, I've no idea what he's going to do when he's got the ball. It's like his coach yeah. might tell him to do something, but doesn't mean he's going to do it. And yeah, he yeah. might get caught out defensively or whatever, but it's going to be exciting because you've no idea what you're going to do. And that's, they're the kind of players you want to sell our sport. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're, they're the people that put bums on seats and yeah. eyes on the screen. Um, you mentioned the World Cup, so let's, let's just spend a couple of minutes on that. Are you, are you confident now that everything that stopped it happening last year is, is going to be all right and we're going to be on and, and you know, the NRL guys are going to, going to come to the party, so to speak, at the end of the year? Oh, you, you've got to assume so. Like, yeah, I was dis- disappointed last year um, that it didn't go ahead. No, I know speaking to people involved, where you know, there's a tremendous amount of work that went into uh, into that tournament, trying to go ahead. Um, but hey, we, we've got to move on um, and go and. The, the fact that it's been de- delayed twelve months, and um, there's still plenty of positives, and there's still there's still the opportunity to make um, this World Cup have a, a lasting impact on on a lot of people throughout England and, and and Great Britain. So you know we we are a a sport that 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 needs this exposure um, and needs more numbers involved in the game from community level to fans to people tuning in each and every week and and staying. Staying involved in our sport, so I think the the Rugby League World Cup is a fantastic opportunity uh, to do that. Yes, it's been delayed twelve months, but and it will clash slightly with the with um you know with the Footy World Cup, yeah. but um yeah, still no reason for it not to to be an excellent tournament, one that people look back and go, wow, that was my you know for some people it'll be wow, that was my first experience with Rugby League. That's how I fell in love with the game, and that's what I'd like to see to see it do. And, and I'm confident in the people organising that they'll get that done. And in, in terms of people over here, I, I'm, I think it's just full steam ahead. People are excited to to represent the countries. You know, it's been such a long time. They've got um, a rep round coming up in about, I think it's six weeks. Mm. So, yeah, the, the sort of, your, your Tongas, Fijis, Papua New Guineas, somehow they're all playing um, when the State of Origin standalone game's on. So... That's sort of a, a New Zealander playing as well, I believe. So that's a huge signal uh, of intent that everyone's taking this World Cup really seriously and want, want to get games under their belts. It can be a double-edged sword, though, can't it? As, as rugby league fans, as obviously we we both are, you, you know, we crave that limelight, that profile, that spotlight, which looks like we're going to get this year. But when you do get that, the team has to step up and be successful. Otherwise, it's just completely pointless. So bearing that in mind, have you been frustrated about? this year's preparation, such a big year, and England haven't even managed a training session yet. You know, like, what, what is Sean Wayne supposed to do ahead of this World Cup when he can't even get his players together? Yeah, I think, you know, that, that that's... It's a, it's a concern, but I've, I've still... You know, when, you, when you're picking international teams, you really can't afford to pick until the playoffs anyway. So having like an idea of who'll be available um, and whatnot. But I'm sure, you know, I don't know Sean Wayne that well, but if there's one thing I know about him is he never looks for excuses and he never looks for reasons as to why your team won't perform. So he'll be aware of that, but he'll just make up for it in other areas. And I think this team um, on paper certainly has a great opportunity to, to be the first England or British team to lift this World Cup in a, in a long, long, long time. Yeah, well, obviously a lot of people hope you're right. I was going to, I mean, you mentioned Sean Wayne a few times. I was going to ask you, but you've already answered it, that you've, you've not really spoke to him for a while. Is there any chance that you might be involved? Obviously not as a player, but like, you know, <laughs> I think if you're coming back, then I don't think we will win it, mate, in all, all due respect. But, oh, <laughs> but as part of his staff, you know, like, Assistant to the England manager, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and we're both in our thirties. Both in our thirties. Yeah. Um, no, all, all joking and office references aside, like, you know, would, would that be a thing? Is, is there? I don't know if there's any chance of you coming over, or have I just dreamt that up with it? Um, oh, look, I, I think, I think as, as far as I'm aware, Sean Wayne's backroom staff are, are all pretty settled. Um, so I, I can't see anything like that happen. I, 
I'm I'm talking with a few people about coming over in in in, in certain roles that to be a part of the World Cup, but that's more generally speaking rather than specifically with the uh, with the England team. But um, yeah, there'll be there'll be no one willing and wanting them to to win much more than than what I will be. Um, you know, I'm, it was a it was a huge part of my life, um, and it never never really leaves you. And, I'm still pretty close to a number of those players that are in that squad, and yeah, I'd be beyond delighted to to see, you know, to see them lift that trophy come come sort of mid November. It, it would, it, I I just know the the impact on the game that it would have would be would be huge, and yeah, there's 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 a bit of pressure that comes with that, but these lads are more than capable of handling it. Uh, talking about coming back, you're coming back to do some. After dinner circuit or something, are you? Evening with yeah, got, James Gray. Got, got a couple of yeah, got a couple of events. Um, come, coming back in uh, sort of mid to late June. Um, so I've got got a few events on there. If you, if any of the viewers want to, I think it's um, uh, what's who's the organizer? MJK okay. sporting events. So, Personal um, appearances, yeah. just you coming out and waving and yeah, just, and just 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 waving, yeah. So no, it, it should be good. I'm excited. Really, we, we were. Supposed to have a couple um, when the pandemic was on, but it, but it just didn't work out. And, um, yeah, I'm excited. Just tell a few, tell a few stories about you know St Helens and England playing in the NRL, all, all the different uh, stories that have happened along along the way, some good, some bad, and talk about the NRL in general, Super League general. Similar to this, really. So save yourself a ticket. Just listen to. I know, yeah, yeah. Let's we'll, just do. We'll let's just do it here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll go, we'll go into a bit more depth and tell some of those funny stories that happened throughout the years and um and yeah and obviously we'll we'll, we'll get to talk a, a bit in depth about that you know that incredible um season of, of 2020 uh, which I'm which I'm really looking forward to mate because you know I'm not one to to look at negatives really I'm 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 quite a positive person which I, which I am and and the season 2020 was great but the only thing that was missing was the fans and I'd love to have shared those moments with them um, because I love what the fans bring to our game and this isn't me like sucking up to anybody but I, that's genuine like I, when people ask you about like what you miss it, I miss going out and performing for people and I, I even kind of miss the hate coming over here like when people say like what's the difference obviously there's a a level of performance that you know week to week is probably slightly higher, um, or certainly off field. But the fans don't hate you as much over here, where you know there's a more of an appreciation, which is great. But I don't know, maybe it's just me being me. Um, kind of, you know, when we play, you know, a, a Leeds, a Warrington, Wigan, you know, any of those go going to any that I knew I was going to be in for some abuse and. In a six sort of way, I kind of liked it. Um, but it, the 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 point of this is is that yeah, the, I I love what the fans bring. I love how passionate they are. I know how much their life revolves around rugby league. And um, yeah, when I come back in June, I'm looking forward to to sharing some of those stories with the fans that um, you know have supported me and hated me throughout the years. I was I was going to delve into various aspects of your career, but I might just leave it. I mean, you've, you've summarised it really well there. I mean, I'll leave you to do that on the tour. But there are, you know, highs and lows. A lot of them, you know, with England, you don't want to dwell on the lows, but there must have been some, you know, some 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 tough moments during England because you did get so close and you you got so close. Uh, but but ultimately, to, to you know, the high to finish to finish that way with with Sage, that must have been the way that you would have you would uh, apart from the fans, you would have scripted it. Oh man, it was it, it was incredible. There, there, there was so many so many things going on. I, I I certainly didn't want to make it about me. And you know, you gotta be I I was very I was very careful when I came back because obviously I'd I'd made a name for myself at St. Helens and then we weren't go, they, they weren't going so so good at the start of the season. There was actually there's no guarantees the season was going to continue. Mm. When when I when I was first speaking with um, Mike Rush and Christine Wolf, it was like right in the middle of a lockdown. So yeah, all, all these different factors at play, and 
yeah, you get that, you get that last game, and yeah, Tommy Makinson decides he's he's gonna miss the drop goal, doesn't he? Like, <laughs> is that not the best try assist you've ever seen in your life? Like, right? And you know what? I love Tom, I love Tommy Makinson, but. I, I wish he the part of me wishes he kicked that field goal, but he but he didn't. And yeah, well, I, I think you know, um, obviously Jack Wells be a, a nineteen year old at the time. You know, I think it's probably a good it's probably a good job. I, I live in Sydney because if I lived in any like close proximity to Jack, I reckon I'd be at his door every day shaking his hand, saying thank you. And jumping on him and buying him beers, whatever, whatever he wanted, I, I'd be doing it for Jack because, yeah, I, it, yeah, that 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 game, it, it meant, yes, it 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 put a lot of things to bed for me. It put me at peace with a with a few things that had happened throughout my career. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's it for me. It's 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 huge on what what sport can do. Um, it can give you those th- those unbearable lows, and it's just like rugby league. It's just a made-up game with made-up rules. But for anyone that's seen the video of my face after that grand final, it was um, it's crazy what 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 it meant and that sense of meaning and purpose that that it that it certainly gave me, and I know it gives a lot of a lot of others as well. Um, just for for the final couple of minutes that, you know, that was a wonderful answer actually me and my partner were watching the, the footage I think the RFL were filming you on the sideline weren't they when they were waiting the video decision and how you just you don't let your guard drop until it's absolutely guaranteed it's wonderful it's it's the it's the rawness and the pureness of sport just encapsulated in that moment and uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it was absolutely fantastic I was just as a final thought I was going to kind of delve a bit deeper and ask I think we've got a sense of it from speaking to you over the last 20 minutes or so like about your outlook on life, you're very positive, what gets you out of bed every day. And, you know, some lessons that you would take from this sport that you've lived your life in that actually helps you in life in, in general. Well, wow, we've, we've um, got, gone quite deep there, haven't we? Um, but you're, yeah, a very, you're a very positive guy, I can, I can get that. You don't want to dwell on any negatives because you know there's a positive right around the corner. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's what... You know, rugby rugby league gives you a lot of life lessons. Team sport gives you lots of life lessons, and you know, when when you're going through a, a tough time, I guess sport can help you through that. Um, it gives you a sense of community, gives you a new, new opportunity, and a, and a chance to 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 grow as a as a group and as an individual. Um, so yeah, it's sport. Sports stood me in in such good stead, and you know, rugby league's been the axis upon which my world has spun since I was eight years of age, and um, it's given me so many opportunities, taught me so many lessons, and um, yeah, it's it's given me more and more opportunities as 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 life continues on. So I'm very grateful for our sport. Um, yeah, that's. That's probably as deep as I'm going to go today, George. It's nearly bedtime. I, I say so I almost gave you a. We, we've both snuck in a few David Brent references. I think we're probably about level throughout this. So you could you could have finished there with if I'd have said, "How do you want to be remembered?" You could have said simply as the man who put a smile on the face of all he met. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, life. Oh, lie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, final point. That was what I was going to ask you on David Brent. That interview you did with the Aussie journalist when you started singing. Oh. Did he ever yeah. know? Did he ever know that you were, you, you were having him? Oh, no. You know, you know what? You, the, the best thing about that is, is, is Channel 9, which is one of the main, um, the, one of the, the like, it's, it's the main rugby league station over here um that and fuck or the main terrestrial rugby league station over here and they ran it on their news saying like oh james james graham's like singing or like james graham's singing career because money don't make my world go around reaching out to that was that was the thing and and one of the journalists has asked me about moving to a certain team because you know the rumor and innuendo was they were offering me a lot of money and he, he said like oh 
know, the money must be taken. And I just was like, you, you can't, you can't give me, you can't give me that. And I've done it, I've done it in the past where I've dropped like little things in, especially over here. And it just sort of like goes over people's heads. But it's just like, you know, when you just have a little bit of a laugh to yourself or you know someone somewhere is just going to go, well done, lad. Like, well done. But that one, they obviously, Channel Nine, they they put it on like their Twitter page, and people were just like, "He's not, he's not singing. That. That's not really what he, his point is. Here. His point is he's getting in a line from the office." But yeah, yeah, I think when you're when you're a, a Brent and a Partridge fan, you've yeah. you've got to. Um, it's a whole new way of life, isn't it? You've got to you've got to use those. Um, you know, if you if you're being interviewed and and you don't throw a few things in every now and then, um, you'd be a fool. Even you know, in in the height of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the grand final victory. I, I think someone asked me about what I was gonna, what I was gonna do after the grand final, and I think I, I, if I recall correctly, I managed to sneak in. I was gonna go to Long Stanton Spice Museum because <laughs> I couldn't celebrate with the Spice Girls. So, yeah, just just one for the for the partridge and the uh, oh, it was brilliant. Then obviously, yeah. What, what I loved about that that one in Australia was that split second moment when you you you, you saw the opportunity and you laughed to yourself about. Yeah, I'm going to run with it. It's yeah, a great yeah. moment. Uh, Lisa, it's been great. I'm going to let you go to bed. It's been really good uh, speaking to you tonight. And um, I always appreciate your time, James. So um, no. thank you very much. It's been great. great no, my you. pleasure, mate. Lo- lovely to talk to you. you. Take me down memory lane a little bit, which is always <laughs> great for me. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on. And um, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll see you uh, in June. And if not, definitely around the traps at the World Cup, mate. Uh, we look forward to it, James Graham. Thank you for coming on. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.